This episode of Horror Movie Talk brought to you by Twinder, the dating app for twins. Are you a pair of identical siblings that want a matching set of dates? Or are you just single looking for a threesome where it's only not awkward for you? Download the Twinder app and start making connections with twins in your area. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk, an opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Your schlubby hosts each week are Bryce Hansen, the cool collected nihilist, and David Day, a fucking nerd, who is always cool. (laughs) New theatrical releases always get priority, but we also review older horror movies, both good and horror bowl. I'm Bryce Hansen. I'm David Day! Can you... Oh, sorry. That's right. (laughs) I got... My microphone was off. I didn't want to hear your belches while I was reading the ad. Excuse me. I didn't belch once. Mm. Or your mouth noises. (laughs) Well, that I did did a lot of. (laughs) Very gassy this morning. Uh, So, everyone, we got a great show today. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about the new release, Brightburn. We'll be giving a brief review and our score for the movie. Um, we score on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being miserable, uh, a miserable experience where you're angry at going through it, uh, 5 being a perfectly average film that hits all the expected marks, and 10 being so good that it transcends genre boundaries. After we give our score, we'll go into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film. And later, we got a couple bits, our famous bits that everyone loves. Famous, famous, famous. Uh, we'll be doing taglines, as well as a new game that will only be aired on this episode, I'm sure, called Superhero or Supervillain. And lastly, it came from social media. Or we'll catch you up with what's going on in the social media sphere for Horror Movie Talk. But first, let's talk about our website. If you haven't been to HorrorMovieTalk.com, why haven't you? It's great. It's the best place there is. We've got the posts for each episode, and my favorite thing about it is it's got the time codes with links to just skip forward. So if you don't want to listen to the trailer, you can skip forward to, you know, spoilers or our score for it. Um, If you want to check out past episodes, you'll find it there. Also, links to all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram that we never never do anything on, uh, our YouTube channel, all the places that you can follow us and interact with us, even our subreddit. Check out our subreddit. It's very, uh, it's very one dimensional without your, (laughs) without your input, our subreddit kind of is just our posts. It's very much if you build it, they will come. Right. Situation. But it's also a really good place for to see the archive of episodes. It's like got it all listed out. Yeah. And, in and a very succinct format. Yeah. And they're numbered. Yeah. And, and it's got all our blog posts and stuff. We post new episodes every Wednesday if you're new to Horror Movie Talk. But if you like it or if not, please subscribe and leave a review of the podcast on iTunes or your preferred platform that allows reviews. If you are a longtime listener and you love what we do, there's two ways you could support the show directly. Uh, one is clicking through the button in the header of the website to Amazon. And if you 
buy anything there, whether it's renting a horror movie or buying a Blu-ray or just buying some new sheets for your bed. Um, that you're going to wet while watching a horror movie like Brightburn, you're going to pee your bed. <laughs> then we'll get a little little taste of that. Also, if you want to do it a little more directly, we have our Patreon open now. It's patreon.com slash horror movie talk, or there is a button also in the banner next to the Amazon one. Um, special thanks to Jessica C for becoming our latest. Oh, hold on. Let me get the effect here. Horror movie talk founding member. Member, member. Um, that was cool. <laughs> we went into like a giant uh, uh, gymnasium. Uh huh. Yeah, we relocated the podcast for a second there. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you uh, donate five dollars or more, you become a horror movie talk founding member. We only have one tier, but we're going to start providing exclusive content to our Patreon or to our patrons um, and um, starting new tiers. But if you want to get on the boat early and get that coveted, coveted title of Horror Movie Talk founding member, you know, jump on it soon. Like yeah. right after this episode or during. Go to <laughs> patreon.com slash horrormovietalk and uh, sign up today. But, you know, we'll take any level of donation. Yeah, for real. Last weekend I went camping with my buddy Adrian who happens to listen to the podcast and he's like, Drunkenly, I'll I'll add. He was like, "You really need to start producing some content for. You got to make the Patreon content." And I was like, "Shut up, Adrian! You're drunk." <laughs> and then I ended my drive home. I was like, "God damn it, Adrian's right. Yeah, you fucking idiot." I was also like, "Adrian, you're not even a a, a patron." He's like, "Ah." <laughs> <laughs> so fuck you, Adrian. But also thanks. <laughs> So actually, yeah, we're going to record uh, after the pod um, episode today where we're just going to kind of chat about other stuff going on and any other stuff that we've been seeing that's not covered in the episode. And we'll post that to our patrons on Patreon. We'll and also, the thing that I'm even more excited oh, about. Also, we're going to talk about um, the H Chernobyl. The HBO miniseries Chernobyl. Holy shit. Yeah. I can't eat. Bryce came to me the other day and he was like, oh my God. And I was like, what? He's like, this is like nothing you've ever seen before. You have to watch this. It'll blow you away. Anyways, we're going to record something on that and, and release it to our patrons. Um, so anyways, yeah, Patreon. Also, if you are a horror movie fan, of course you are. You're listening to us. And you want a constant source of streaming horror movies that are curated just for your taste, check out Shudder.com. And if you use the code HMT for Horror Movie Talk at checkout, you'll get 30 days free for your trial period. So anyways, thanks again for listening and let's get into the show. We went and saw Brightburn this week and it was as advertised but even more gory than I expected. Yeah, it sure was. Here is the trailer. Mom? Who am I? You are a gift. We believe that you came here for a reason. I know it's been difficult for you lately, but you feel different from other kids. 
Caitlin, give him a hand up. He's a creep. Help him up. What are you doing? I want him in handcuffs and I want him gone. Do you even know who his real mother is? I'm his real mother. Let's go. Maybe there is something wrong with Brandon. on board. Mission not accomplished. Do you though? Do you really <laughs> want to do good? Uh, so, uh, the synopsis for Bright. Oh, sorry, Brightburn. You can find Brightburn in theaters now. Yeah, it's a kind of a big deal, actually. Yeah. Uh, the synopsis for Brightburn is very simple. It's the Superman horror. That's the Superman origin story, but instead of him being good, he's bad. Yeah, yeah. That's that's as basic as you can put it. The Briars are a young couple in small, I mean, Brightburn, Kansas, that desperately <laughs> want a baby but can't have one of their own. One night, a meteor crashes into the woods near their house. Inside is a little baby that they name Brandon and raises their own. When Brandon reaches puberty, he is awoken and summoned by voices in his head that lead him to the spacecraft he arrived in hidden in the Briars' barn. Brandon soon discovers he is completely impervious to harm, has super strength, and can, get this, fly. Wow, that's the craziest superpower I've ever heard of, Bryce. <laughs> Brandon does what every good middle American farm boy would do with these newfound superpowers. He kills and maims anyone that gets in his way towards world domination, including those closest to him. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's a thing that, potentially every middle school boy given Superman powers would do, right? <laughs> I remember how fucking weird all the guys that I was with were in middle school. I mean, I don't think I would have done that necessarily, but there were plenty who would have. Right, right. Not me. Not but, me. No. I mean... Uh, David's going to complain that this story has been done dozens of times with Superman in the comics, but if you, like me, aren't a fucking nerd... Whoa. 
There's a lot of fingers being Then this is probably the first depiction of a truly evil Superman origin story. I keep wanting to say horrigin story. Horrigin. Let's call it horrigin. Okay. Let's trademark horror movie talk. Horrigin story. Horrigin stories. Yes. Yeah. We got to get on that Annabelle horrigin story. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, it's at least on film. This is first the first real depiction of that. Mm -hmm. Maybe in the comics it's done, but... Whatever. It's only like the, you know, like the 12th (laughs) in the comics. Uh, I think this film accomplished exactly what it set out to do and was very enjoyable to me. While it was exactly what I expected in terms of plot, it exceeded my expectations with how dark and especially how gory they went with it. The film is directed by a relative newcomer, David Yaravesky. Yaravesky. You're, you're, I mean, we've been watching Chernobyl, so I should be able to say a Russian name, right? Yeah, it, but the thing about Chernobyl is it's a BBC production, and so all the, then you have all these English actors uh-huh. pronouncing things like aluminium, the, like the British way, mm. you know? <laughs> so, so they're, so they kind of, they definitely mangle the Russian language. Right. They mangle the English language. <laughs> they gotta mangle it. Um, Sorry, where was I? Uh, you're, you're, of, you're the director. Mm-hmm. I, he, it was where? produced by James Gunn. Yeah, so it, and it's produced by James Gunn, who is the director of Guardians, of all the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, as well as Super, another anti-superhero movie that I haven't seen. Have you seen Super? Uh, Rain uh, Wilson? No, sorry, Dana. It's basically like a... Sorry, Dana. Was a... <laughs> Like an anti-Batman, basically. Yeah, I kind of, I remember there being hype around it, right? I remember there, I I definitely remember the trailer for it and people being like, oh boy, it's a bad guy. Mm -hmm. But Um, This is a well-cast movie. Elizabeth Elizabeth Banks is Tori, the mother in denial, and David Denman as Kyle. Roy. The father that... Immediately is suspicious, well, not immediately suspicious, but is appropriately suspicious of Brandon as time goes on. Uh, Brandon Breyers, the the anti-Superman, is played by Jackson A. Dunn, which does a great job of maintaining a steely, enigmatic gaze um, that doesn't betray his true intentions until it's too late. Um, I think... I think that the main cast is really great. Yeah, the casting in this movie is, is dead on. Uh, what, what was, what was her name? Uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks. I love her. She's, yeah. she's from, you, you will remember her from such films as, uh, Zach and Mary make a porno and, yeah. um, some other ones. Well, that- yeah, she's, she's in all of the, uh, if you're a vocal jazz nerd like I am, uh, she's in all the, um, uh, Pitch Perfect. Oh, Pitch, Perfect Pitch Black, and, yeah. Uh, I think she directed Pitch Perfect 2 or 3. I don't even remember how many there are. But she was also, I think she got her debut in uh, 30-year-old, or yeah, 40-year-old Virgin. Um, with Steve oh, yeah. She was like yeah. the, I don't think she was the crazy drunk one. Oh, she was like the bookstore yes. lady that, that he hit on. Yeah, it, but you know, I'll, t- I'll give you this about the, the casting. There's a lot of people in this movie that were very distracting to me. Yeah, there's no there's no A-list stars, but there was definitely everyone that was on screen was like, 
Oh, that's Roy that's from that the guy. that's Roy from the office. Yeah. Oh, that's that's Jesse's friend from Breaking Bad. Yeah, that's Badger. And that's Badger. <laughs> I was like, it, look, it's, every, it's every, Uncle Badger. Every three minutes in this movie, I was leaning over and going, that's Roy. Yes, it, <laughs> was, it was getting annoying. It's Badger. Um, but there, but that, it, imagine being that actor, right? Imagine being the guy who, who is so iconically played Badger in, in Breaking Bad. So much, he's, and he has, he's so notable mm-hmm. in his, in his, in the way you see it, cause he's such a, yeah, just a skeezy looking guy with this little, yeah, like weird kind of voice. And, <laughs> and you just can't help but go, that's the breaking bag kid. Right, right. Anyway. He's like the poor man's, uh, Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It takes you out yeah. a little bit, but they all did a great job. Yeah. There, it was all cast great. Um, <clears throat> The script doesn't delve too deeply into character development, but the characters are three-dimensional, and they react to the events of the film in natural ways. Um, they keep the intentions and internal motivations of Brandon intentionally mysterious up until the time he starts wreaking havoc, although it didn't explore as many of the facets of the anti-Superman story as they could have. It delivered on the promise of a really dark story in an effective and efficient manner. I really enjoyed it. I give it a 7 out of 10. Jesus. Um, you said something, uh, just, just, you said... I almost gave it an 8. The script... Like, I, I almost gave it an 8 just from... happening to you? There Who were several you? moments with the gore and, like, the... Yeah, the the gore and the violent moments in this were, like, I was actually shocked. Like, hoof, And um, it didn't, like, completely blow me away to the point where it puts it over to an 8, but it almost is there. It's like a high 7 for me. That's crazy. Uh, you said something. The script doesn't delve too deeply into character development, you said, oh. but the characters are three-dimensional. Now... This is, I've been thinking about this a lot, like why exactly this movie irritated me in the way that it did. And part of it is because, uh, as you mentioned before, I'm a nerd and <laughs> I've, I've, I don't like Superman's not my jam exactly. I don't, uh, I don't profess to, I have a friend, uh, Brenner's who knows everything about, it. he's one of these guys who know, he's read Superman forever and, um, and he would be able to tell you a lot more about this than I. But number one, this is a story that's been done many, many times before. It is intriguing. And the reason it's intriguing is because of all the things they didn't cover in this movie. They didn't cover all the most important parts of this story that make, that would make this story interesting, which is these people found a baby in a spacecraft in the woods behind their house and they just glance over it and they do a montage of here's a baby growing up and then later on in the film they're like we hid the spacecraft in the barn but but those years of this kid who's an alien (laughs) that's the interesting part of this the relationship with these parents fostering this tiny child that they found in the woods is never touched on and the 
weird mental aspects that would go along with that. That's what makes Superman interesting, right? He's brought up in Smallville by parents who, who like accept him for what he is and make him a good person. And this is the same story, basically. Accept him for who he is and try to make him a good person, but it just fails because he has a thing that goes on in his head. But if there was some play there with the characters and maybe a little bit more on why he was he turned bad instead of you know there's there are some clear provocations of this kid in this movie that indicate well he turned bad because he was betrayed or he turned bad because because he's misunderstood but all of those things that i would find most interesting about this story don't get touched on really and that's i think my problem with it and i think i would i think i i don't i don't want to say it's bad because it's not and i i think i'd land on a 5 for this just because i'm i'm kind of irritated by that yeah so i mean it's yeah it was it was incredibly violent in the parts where it was violent and it was very shocking but it just didn't go into the interesting places that it could have. And that's, I think, my qualm with it. Yeah, it didn't delve too deep into his internal stuff. And I think, like I said, it, I, I'm, I, I think it's intentional. And there were, you know, upon thinking about it, little things that um, inform how he reacts and, like, what's, mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, anyways, let's get into spoilers and we can dive deeper into it spoilers <laughs> your first first point your first get it point. out of the way it's right from the office <laughs> oh it's, it's pam it's pam's it's pam's uh, fiance th- fiance from the office <laughs> I hate that guy so much. <laughs> Such a jerk to Pam. She's so pretty. I love her. So yeah, we we covered this already. I mean, there's there's recognizable faces, but they are not A-list actors. They're just from, you know, the 20 billion times you've watched The Office or Breaking Bad. Right. Yeah. Um so it opens <laughs> this is one of the things. It opens to a shots a shot of books on a shelf at the Briars' house about infertility and wanting to have a baby and all this stuff. And then the dialogue is about wanting to have a baby and being infertile. And it was a little like hat in a hat, in a hat for me. I was like, maybe just choose one. Right. Like, it would have been enough just to show the infertility books or dealing with infertility. They showed a lot. Let, of, let it be like a Hitchcockian thing. It was like, just show, not tell. Right. But they decided both. That was like... One of the things where I was like, "Uh oh, this is a little ham-handed." This here. is this is a is this written for dumb people? <laughs> and no, not not really entirely. No, not not entirely. It it did really smash you over the head with that infertility stuff yeah. because it starts with a close up on one book and then it shows like it pans a across book like, ca- like a library full of these books. Yeah, if you were to go to, you know. The world's largest Barnes and Noble, and go to the infertility section. That was their bookshelf. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if if you're not if you're not from Portland, there's a bookstore here. I think I believe it's the largest bookstore. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure it's known across in, across the nation. Powell's Books. Powell's Books. Powell's City of Books. It's it's basically one 
city block of books uh-huh. that just go straight up into the air for yeah. like five or six four, stories. Four, four or five stories of bookstore. It's like a lot of books. Fabulous. It's so this best. was the Powell's bookstore of infertility <laughs> right. guides. And then they're like, oh, baby, you're so infertile. <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, all right, I get it. <laughs> it makes me so hot when, you know, because they're in bed trying to get it on. And he's like, ah, oh, you infertile bitch. Ooh, yeah, you don't have any eggs. <laughs> it's like scorched earth in there. I'm going to come my one semen. <laughs> yeah, it was probably my one, Roy. My one sperm. Yeah, because she made a porno. Well, yeah. that, that could work against you. Who knows? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Anyways, it it shows uh like a montage as you're talking about baby Brandon. Um, once they, you know, after they find the uh, the crater with the baby in it, and they specifically chose shots where the baby is not smiling at all. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> They're all in on the let's not betray what this baby is about or what this kid is about at all. Neutral baby face. Neutral baby. Which is which is surprisingly easy to find with a boy. Right. You know? I, well, I don't know. Colin is like so smiley. Oh, man. Colin is the sm- Yeah, he is the happiest little boy I've ever seen, which is what makes him notable uh-huh. to me. Because Eston, your, your other boy... Very neutral. Yeah. Ultra neutral. And Penny was pretty neutral, too. She was... She was a sweetie, though. Yeah. Um, Eston, though. (laughs) That kid. (laughs) Eston told me yesterday that I was the worst dad ever. Dude, Charlotte did the same thing. My girl was like, Daddy, I don't like you. I was like, what the fuck? Like, like that's how you greet me in the morning? (laughs) Like, I walk into her room. She's like, Daddy, I don't like you. I'm like, whoa. She's like, I like mama. I was like, okay, let's get you on the potty, I guess. And she's like, all right. <laughs> it's a weird way to start the day. I feel like shit. And then you beat her severely, right? Right. Right. I, I mean, she had to she learn. had it coming. Mm. Those jokes. Those are jokes. Those are jokes. Don't call CPS. Um. <clears throat> so Brandon, there's another scene where he's in school. This is early on, and he displays his intelligence, and he talks. Um. And this is basically. What I label as the true moral to the movie or the the premise of what they're trying to go for, he tells this. Uh, he t- talks about these wasps that have lost their ability to create lost their ability to create nests, so they use their strength to get other wasp species to raise their young. Man, you're really good at picking that out. I know that seems really obvious to you because you're so good at picking that out. And like, how could anybody? But. It just it just floated by me a little bit, yeah. And I should have been like, oh, obviously this is right because it just it just didn't hit me in this movie. That's a good point. Yeah. So and that's that's basically I think as much as they give you about the motivation for whatever this alien species that Brandon is um, for sending him out. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no story where Krypton blows up right. in this movie. He just arrives. He is a wasp. Yeah. He's a wasp here to fuck up stuff. Um, and then um, I've got I've got a bunch of points. We don't have to do this in order. Uh, what, what were we talking about before? Oh, like the character development. You know, I, I think they did a pretty good job of, of the parents <clears throat> and that 
Um, they didn't delve into like what was happening while they're raising him necessarily, but they established the relationship between them and Brandon pretty well. Like, and that relationship was, it was normal. Like you get, you get very much the, the idea that it was normal. The only thing that they mentioned later on is that he has never been cut or bruised basically. And that's like the only thing, which is weird. Like number one, I still, I'm still not sure why, why that's important, but it was, it was like, this is important. You know, the movie kind of alluded to this, this little bit is important and, uh, it's not immediately obvious to me still why that he wasn't bruised. I think or- that flips the switch in his brain or something like that, where, oh, it's time. It's go time now. Like I, now I am full blown wasp. I'm no longer a larva. It's time to fuck shit up as soon as I get hurt. No, it wasn't that it was. So what happens is, is Brandon is awoken in the middle of the night by, you know, these voices in his head. Yeah. And he's like summoned to the barn where there's this red light emanating from this spacecraft, this spacecraft. And you can see it through the cracks in the, in the planks on the floor or yeah. whatever. There's like a, a cellar and, you know, it's speaking in an alien voice or whatever and drawing him there. And it's very much, he's possessed. Yeah. Like it's very much a trope of he is being possessed. He's different now when he's under the influence of this voice and <clears throat> he snaps out of it. Like it's, it feel like when his mom finds him, he like wakes up like he was sleepwalking. Right. And so it's this, it sets up this, okay, he's a normal kid. Um, and he's being influenced by this spacecraft or whatever. Cause he's an, an alien. And so it's a question of like, is he, does he have free agency? Is he able to choose by himself or is he being like overtaken by whatever impulses are being sent to him from, you know, his hive or whatever. Right. Um, but then later on in the movie, it makes it pretty clear that like, no, he's, he's, he's gone full dark. Like it's not just him being possessed. Like he's being corrupted by his power. Right. So, um, it shows, but what's the cut about <clears throat> the cut? So he, he, he finds, cause they make this bit. I should, I should, pre- I should set that up a little bit better. There's so this there's part a, where there's the a couple parent- times, there's a couple times where he's drawn to this spacecraft. The first time he doesn't actually see it. He gets woken up before he opens the door. And then when he finally opens the door, he like falls in. No, wait, he's float. He's floating above it. He's flying. And his mom comes in and like wakes him up and then he falls to the ground and he gets cut by the spacecraft. Right. And so just right before that scene, they had been talking about how he has never been cut or bruised. And now it shows that he has been cut. Oh, okay. I, I get it. Specifically now. what they're showing. The only was, thing can hurt that that can hurt him is not from this world. It's the spacecraft that right. he came here with. So it's basically, it's not acting exactly like kryptonite but it's the only thing that can harm him right nothing like, on this earth can hurt this right. kid so and <clears throat> that happens about like a mid midpoint in the movie and they they make it a point not to mention that at all for a long time right like 
lots of stuff happens and lots of um, opportunities to kill him between then and the end happened. But it wasn't until like the very end when his his mom like decided like, okay, time to time to put the boy down, time to put the boy down. Um, And she grabs a shard off of the off the spaceship. Hottie has the hots for it. Right. So he, Brandon displays his intelligence, and then almost immediately there's this girl in the class, and I wrote down in my notes, Hottie has the hots for big brain Brandon. <laughs> um, that was so goofy, that little scene where she's like, don't worry. They, they're they not going to like get into college or something like that. And you will. And I was like, no girl would ever say that in middle school. No girl would be encouraging towards a boy. Right. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to refer to her as Hottie from now on because... God damn, look at those hot children. Those are your words, not mine. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, and then, yeah, after the first time he's summoned to the barn, um, he has some chores to do. He's supposed to mow the lawn, and... This lawn mowing scene is a great... Yeah. It's a great <laughs> scene because every... Anybody who's mowed a lawn... Knows the the burden of having to start the pull start on that mower. Yeah. And it doesn't go well for him. Like he pulls it and just gets frustrated and then flings the the mower into like the distance. Yeah. he uh, He's like, you know, he's pulling the pull start, pulling it, pulling it. And they do a good job of like giving it a, like a solid minute of him being like, God damn it. Oh, my arm. Oh, I'm tired of this. And then finally he's like, he gets frustrated and pull starts it and it just flies, flies like 200 yards away. Yeah. And then it's, it started. It sure I mean, did. It worked. Um, okay. By the way, a little bit. That's not how lawnmowers work, Bryce. Unless <laughs> this is some fucking lawnmower from the planet Krypton. That's not how lawnmowers work. Because the lawnmower lands upside down. It lands upside down and the blade is pointed towards him and it's, woo, 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 you know, spinning. But everybody knows that, uh, you know, a, a, uh, red blooded American lawnmowers, uh, it, it, fuel intake, uh, tube sits at the bottom of the tank, people. So when the, the lawnmower is upside down, all the gas is sitting at the, at the, essentially what is the, the top of the lawnmower and it would go dead. It's very inconsistent, this movie. I don't know. Well, it wasn't exactly upside down. It was, it was angled up. Yeah. So was, maybe if it was completely full. Yeah, it was tilted. And like the tube was in the back. Okay. Maybe. Now you're just tilting at windows. I'm just making excuses for Brightburn now. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you're a, the, shill the for the, you're a shill for Honda. Oh. You have one of those Honda lawnmowers, don't you? <laughs> it's all about Troy built. <laughs> uh, I was gotten to by big lawnmower. <laughs> so the the lawnmower is is upended and the the blade is worrying about. And for some reason, Brandon just decides to stick his hand in there because why not? Yeah. Like, He's like, oh, maybe if I, maybe I can caress this blade into slowing down. He goes, <laughs> just stops immediately. So, he he finds out that he's impervious to harm, which is, I guess, like you're you're to assume that he kind of had an inkling that he was per- impervious to harm before then, but he's never actually truly tested it. Um. Anyways, at that point, he just understands that. 
nothing can hurt him. Yeah. And that's when it starts him down the road of like, well, wait a minute. Why am I, why am I worried about anything? Why don't I just do whatever I want? Because what are they going to do? Yeah. In that regard, I think this movie is a little bit conservative as to how a middle school boy would go about doing things <laughs> because this goes, this goes into full retard mode pretty quickly, but not nearly as quickly as I think it would happen in real life. In real life, if a, if a middle school kid learned that he was impervious to harm, it would, the world would end within, I don't know, half hour. Right. <laughs> It'd be like, right. So later, um, the other, the first part where it shows that he really, really has, um, like nefarious intentions or it shows like the, the danger yeah. of Brandon is his birthday party and, uh, uncle Badger, um, for a gift gives him a gun. And I can't remember if it's the father or the mother that freaks out more. It's, uh, it's Roy. Roy freaks out and he like takes the gun away from him and is like, you're just a kid. Like you don't, he doesn't need a gun yet. Right. You know? And, uh, Brandon is upset and, you know, tells him to give it back. And <clears throat> his anger seems to affect the electronics in this, you know, family pizza establishment or wherever they are. Yeah. And they get in a fight, like an actual, like, you know, teenager. Give me my gun, dad. Ugh. <laughs> give it to me. And, um, and so he has an outburst, and then later his parents are discussing it, and they talk about how, like, their upbringing, where it's like, just imagine what we got away with, and, like, he's not a bad kid. Right. You know, he's he's a good kid. Look at what we were doing back then, but our parents didn't give a shit about us or where we were. Yeah. Like, imagine, you know. And then they make, they there's a good line in, in it, and they just, <laughs> was a, if you're a parent, this... This rang true of, we have to give a shit. Yeah. Yeah, that sure does. It's this weird feeling of of a response. It's like, boy, it sure would be easier just to forget about this and walk away from it and not care. But then you have that, you know, uh, I assume that's your your conscience. I'm not sure. I'm not very familiar with him. But I assume it's your conscience who's like, Hey, David, don't, you have to care about this. Please give a shit for your kids so you oh. don't create a monster. Okay, fine. Yeah, I mean, so many times when I'm dealing with my kids, it's like <clears throat> there's the expedient way or the ignoring way that's like gets immediate returns or feels better for me or increases my comfort. But then in the back of my mind is like, Am I creating a monster by right. doing this? And so that voice is enough of a of a deterrent d- is enough of a deterrent for for those actions to be like, all right, I need to actually do the right thing, you know, and yeah. take the harder route to try to teach them. Yeah, like you know, don't do this. Yeah, it's, don't don't try to uh, murder your your friends. It's like I could let this go and everything will remain calm and be fine here. Mm-hmm. Or I could say no and create a big tantrum and hopefully impart some sort of lesson. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, then there's a great moment where they like explore Brandon's bedroom. It's a very much like a, like a puberty, uh, parents exploring bedroom scene. Yeah. And they're like, look under his bed and they're like, this is what he thinks is porn. And it's got like these bra ads. It's like very much like, I mean, the porn that I grew up with, which was Victoria's Secret, and, you know, Fredericks of Hollywood, if I could get my hands on it. Um, they were just like JCPenney's bra ads. Yeah. And then they're flipping through like, <laughs> so innocent. And then it goes into immediately like Grey's Anatomy. Like just these open <laughs> pictures of open body cavities. Yeah. And they're like, ooh, ooh. Getting that. Whoa. Getting, He's really curious. Getting that wasp porn going. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, would you unhook this already? I got a hot date tonight. <laughs> a date. Uh, dinner with friends. <laughs> dinner alone. Watching TV alone. All right. I'm going to sit at home and oogle ladies in the Victor- Seriously, no. Victoria's Secret catalog. <laughs> Sears catalog. Ding. <laughs> uh, Simpsons reference. Um. <clears throat> so then... Brendan and his dad go on a camping trip, and dad gives him the talk, which is, like, just about as awkward. I mean, it's, like, some of these scenes are just very much, like, cookie-cutter um, adolescent scenes in coming-of-age movies. Um, but they're they're important to show, be, to establish that this is just a normal family with what they assume is a normal kid. Right. And, and his reactions are always, like, just deadpan. Like, you don't really... Or just like, all right, thanks, you know? Yeah. The dad... Roy says to his son, he's like, you know, I mean, you got um, you got urges in you, you know? And, I mean... Y- y- oh, that's right. I forgot should, to write this down. <laughs> you should, you know, you should pay attention to those urges at least sometimes, you know? I mean, it's just natural. Yeah, he's like, you know, it's it's natural to, you know, experiment or explore. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, like, touch or like he you, says, it's it's natural to touch it, you you're, know. You're dingus. And he's like, touch what? He's like, you're to, to, to touch a penis. He's like, oh. And, he's and like, you know, yeah, I mean, it's normal. And he's like, so like now, can I do it now? He's like, no, not now. No, not <laughs> don't do that now. But, but like the implication at the end of that conversation is you have, you have impulses, and yes, most of the time you should suppress them because you're in public, you're in the company of others. But every once in a while, you should give in to these urges, right? Because you're only human. Yeah, and wink, so he's like, wink. huh? All right, and. How, how does he take that advice? Well, he gets a little bit like the way a middle school boy would get, which is rapey. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a little rapey. <laughs> he appears at... Um, Hottie McCotter's house? Hottie McCotter's house. Um, the eighth grade Hottie? Yeah. Okay. Right. God damn, look at those hot children. <laughs> look at them. Look at them and say, look at that. Um, Where is it? Where's my thing? Yeah, so, and this is a really good, really effective scene in terms of a horror movie scene, because she's alone in her bedroom, and her laptop starts playing, like, a Spotify playlist or something, and she's like, what? 
Like, why is Ray Orbison playing on my laptop? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Roy Orbison, I should say. <laughs> and she goes and closes the laptop and goes back to sleep. And then, like, it starts playing again. Yeah. Like, as soon as she turns around from from closing it, yeah. it's open. She's like, what the? So she like closes it and puts like a bunch of flowers and shit on top of it to make sure it doesn't open again. And then she, she kind of sees Brandon in the curtains for like half a second. She like yells out for her mom and turns around and he's gone. But she knows she's like pretty sure that she saw Brandon. She knows what she's seen, Bryce. Mm Mm-hmm. She's seen a rapist in the window. <laughs> and then later on in the movie, he basically appears again in front of her. And <clears throat> she says, my mom told me not to talk to you. And his response is, I'm going to take care of that. Don't worry, baby. I got it. I'll take your parents way out of the picture. Which up to this point, I don't think he's killed anyone at that point yet. And that's the scene in the trailer and in some of the clips that you've seen of um, him attacking the waitress in the diner. That's that's the girl's mom. And that is, like, also one of the most effective scenes of the movie. You you skipped out to go urinate mm. in probably one of the best <laughs> sequences where um, she's alone in the diner. And the lights are starting to go the, crazy. The, the manager at the diner is like there, like closing up, like right. closing up shop. Right. And the lights are starting to flicker and stuff. And she's looking up at one of these fluorescent lights and it explodes. And one of the shards from the fluorescent lights impales her eyeball. Jesus Christ. And then there's a very, very graphic scene of her grabbing this shard out of her eyeball and slowly pulling it out. And it feels like a lot of her eyeball is coming out. Oh, like it's nasty, like really gory. I wouldn't say I missed it, Bryce. And, uh, and then Brandon in, in superhero garb or like with a hood over his head attacks her and, and kills her. Why? Because it's, Oh, that was her mom. That was her mom. Oh, so now that she's out of the picture, I'm sure the girl will be totally, totally up for it. Doors open, boys. We can finally go and have at that eighth grade girl. That's horrible, man. I like rape, murder, robbery and rape. (laughs) You said rape twice. I like rape. (laughs) So, um, I'm going to cut that up. (laughs) Um, what is it? So, so like then on the schoolyard, um, the kids are in PE and the PE teacher is like doing this trust exercise called willows in the wind (laughs) where all the kids are around in a circle. And, uh, the person, the kid in the middle is like, oh wait, yeah, this is before this is actually before the, the mom is the mom killing is killed because she's she's in the principal's office for this. We're going out of order. Anyways, the will is in the wind. The 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 kid in the middle is just basically um the stif- trust. stiff as a board and just like leaning back straight legged and the other people the other kids in the circle are there to hold out their hands and 
not let them fall. Yeah, trust fall around a circle of your peers. Yeah, and so Brandon's in the middle, and then Hottie McHodderson just steps out of the way when he falls towards her. She's like, ew, I'm not going to touch you, Yeah, grody. Because she was like already kind of suspicious that he's, you know, rapey. Yeah, which mm, he is. And so he falls to the ground, and she's like, call, she calls him a creep, you know. And then the PE teacher tells her to help him up, and so she reaches out a hand. And he grabs it and promptly crushes, crushes her tiny eighth grade hand, like mangles it. Yeah. Like it's like not just breaks her hand, but like crushes it. Like if, if you were, Put it was it like an, an industrial, yeah, it was like an industrial accident happened to this hand. Yeah. And that's when the mother is like basically calling Brandon a psychopath and Brandon's parents defend him and, and, uh, aren't quite ready to address the reality of their evil superhero son. Right. <laughs> Anyways, then he kills the mom later. Um, the other thing before any of this happens, Brandon is caught staring at chickens by his dad. He's like, yeah, y'all right. He's like, I think so. It's not just it's not just staring at chickens. It's ten at night, and he's like out way far away from the house, and he's like really looking at these chickens, like giving them the stink eye. He's like, I'm gonna fucking mm, something about chickens. I don't know. I'm a frustrated boy. <laughs> so he's. He's uh, and then later, like the chickens are completely like massacred and they're like, like mangled. What did the wolf get in the hen house? Like, there ain't no wolves here. <laughs> yeah, the father is like, it's not the wolf. The wolf can't like rip off a door from its hinges and like rip apart these chickens. Drawing and- a direct analogy between this boy being a wolf in the hen house, people. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> and then the mom is like. It's not, it's one of, it's the wolf. It's not our son. You're crazy. And then, uh, yeah, so the the other, like, really gory scene that's like, I don't know, there's, basically, Brandon kills everyone in this movie. Every every main character and most of, like, his family, his immediate family, an extended family that we're introduced to. Everyone's dead. Yeah. By the end of it. Um, The most notable gory scene is Uncle Badger. Yes. So what a great scene. That was a fantastic scene. Um, the uncle is driving away in his truck. So hang on. There's a long setup to this. I don't know if you want to do it. Do you want to do the long setup to how this happens? Because it's not really. I don't know. Yeah. The long setup is like all this happens at school and then he's sent to the school counselor, which is actually his aunt. Right. And she's like, you feel remorse, right? And he's like, meh. I'm and superior. She, yeah. I'm superior to you all in every way. Right. And she's like, you know, I've got to tell the sheriff, you know, and give an update for what's going on here. And then and I got to be honest. His eighth grade dumb little mind goes, oh, darn it. I said the wrong thing. No, he doesn't even do that. Like, he's, he just says, like, you, you, don't, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Just don't do that. She's like, yeah, but I have to. He's like, really wouldn't. I, I really wouldn't. And he, he later comes to her house and basically 
comes to her house full, at night. Yeah, full on threatens her at that point. Just walks like, to her house in rural Kansas <laughs> at night. Yeah, bangs on the door and is like, sets off her security system and is like, "Hey, bitch, mm, <laughs> you know I was adopted. You're not blood, so how about?" How about you fucking don't do that thing I told you not to do? She's like, oh, you know I have to. Go home, Brandon. Yeah, in terms of like a psychopath, um, he's very ineffective because one of the parts of being a psychopath is trying to act like you're normal. Like, he does not make any moves to hide or lie about who he is once he starts like turning. Right. He's just like, no, just don't. It will be very bad for you if you do that. Yeah. And uh, and then they do it anyways, and then he just kills him. Yeah. He doesn't, like, cover his tracks, you know, leaves I think, leaves little messages. I think he could still be a psychopath. I, th- I think he can't be a narcissist. Uh, yeah, or, maybe. Wait, I mean, I, I guess, I like, there's, there's like, a whole scale. Like, maybe he could be, like, all these other checkboxes, but not that one. But, yeah, as far as, like, a teenager trying to cover his tracks or make people think a certain way of him. He's not very good at that. Right. It's like, no, but I'm superior. So then his uncle gets home, sees him here with, with his aunt and is like, what the fuck are you doing in her closet? Get out of here. Yeah. And he takes, he's, he's going to take him home to his parents and, and he's like, don't tell my parents that like, uh, yeah, we're going to tell your parents get in the, get in the truck. And, and then uh, Brandon does superhero things and scares away Uncle Badger. Uncle Badger is driving down the road, and then his truck stops, like it, like it <clears throat> dies. You know, <clears throat> it like, dies, like the yeah. electrical, like the battery was drained. Yeah, and then um, it's a great horror movie sequence of like he's bashing the truck, and then the headlights come on, and you see Brandon in the distance Doing wearing like a cape and his superhero mask for a split second illuminated by the headlights while, <laughs> while while his uncle's doing percussive maintenance on the truck yeah and th- it really is a great scene <clears throat> that like and his reactions are great I'm just like whoa no 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 this is bad this is really bad <laughs> trying to get the the truck to start uh, and then you know brandon gets closer and closer progressively as the lights flicker on until he's he lifts up the truck in the air from the back end <clears throat> and drops it down. And probably the most horrifying visual of the movie, uh, his uncle's face like rams into the steering wheel and just completely, like completely mangles his jaw, like open mouth, like his mouth is open over the top part of the steering wheel. So the steering wheel catches his jaw. And just rips it off. And just rips it right off. Right. And there's, like, pretty graphic scene afterward of, like, just him without a jaw, like, like, reacting to Brandon. Holding his face together. Yeah. That was... (laughs) Yeah, it was rough. It was was really rough. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it it turned it up to 11 at that point. I just thought of something. What if... What if Brightburn is a movie that ties together the universes of The Office and Breaking Bad. Whoa. Yeah, think about it. Like Whoa. like Roy got fat, like Roy did get fat first <laughs> of all. And so did uh so did Badger. And they both relocated 
and started a family in Kansas. One from New Mexico. Badger came from New Mexico to Kansas to start a new life. Roy uh, came from Scranton to Kansas to start a new life. They are their brother-in-law via the people they married, right? Uh-huh. So they're so Brightburn ex- exists. You know, however many years following the end of both of those shows. What is it? Seven years or so? Okay. Sure. So now this is, this is the interesting part of this movie. Maybe they're in witness protection program. Oh. Renamed. Well, yeah. Uh, why why would they be brother and brother though? Because they married sisters. Were the sisters related? Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. So Brightburn yeah, is the movie yeah. that ties together this, uh, The Office and Breaking Bad. You're welcome. I've made this movie much more interesting. So after uh, Brandon comes home from that night where he kills Uncle Badger, his dad is super suspicious because Brandon is trying to hide this shirt. And his 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 father's like, something ain't right. You know, he killed those chickens. Um, <laughs> like... And his mom's still like, nah, I don't know, maybe not, though. And then he goes up and discovers there's blood on his shirt. And, you know, they connect the dots between the dead uncle and and that. <clears throat> and then the dis- dad decides, basically, he's got to put down his son. And this is this is a moment of good character development. They, they um, include a scene where the dad is, like, looking at old photos. And you can tell that, like... He's really pained by knowing what he has to do, and like it, it really does make it three dimensional. It's like it's he's conflicted, and then he takes the takes Brandon out into the woods and tries to put a bullet through his brain, but of course that doesn't work with Superman. Right, just ricochets off, and then it's not good news. Yeah, the, for Dad, it's really the it's really the one of the straws that that breaks you know breaks the camel's back, which is. Being betrayed by, you know, the intention is like, okay, so you get hit by a bullet in the head by your dad and you're like, you're invincible. And you turn around and you realize your dad just tried to kill you. Right. So now you're, now you just fucking lose your mind. Right. right. And he, <laughs> he uses his laser vision to just blow a hole through his dad's head. Yeah. Just lasers right into his dad's eyes. And it was, that's not, I mean, it was... Really gory and really effective. Like it was like, whoof. Yeah. I mean, it did not. It did not shy about making that rough. It's it's a movie that chose to focus on the action instead of instead of the development. Like I said, like I think I think the the much more interesting and potentially insidious story would have been the 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 raising of this kid and how these parents deal with. Like, how they come to terms with the thing that they've got, like, and not talking, you know, by not talking about it, you make it less interesting. I don't know. Yeah. That's my deal. Uh, Yeah, I get, it would have been a different movie if they had done it that way. I think um, it's just a choice with how they went to where they show, they let the action show what's happening, and you have to, like, assume what his internal monologue is but I, I think to me it's it's pretty clear that yes there's an aspect of brandon being controlled by these voices in his head and they're telling him um like the translation that he finds out of what they the voices are telling him is 
take the world. Right. And um, <clears throat> he basically um, hears that, but it's also obvious that he makes the choice that he will do that. That he's like, yeah, this feels right. And also, I'm going to give in to this power because it feels good. And why wouldn't I? Right. And I don't know. I think it's I think it's effective. Um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, like, forecast it a ton until you see, like, what he's capable of. Right. It goes to great extent to make him, to try and cast him as, as potentially neutral. Yeah, like, completely neutral. Which like, is, which is strange because... Everybody going into this movie knows what this movie is. Right. You know, so it's not like you're it's not like you're fucking fooling me. You've played the trailer on my feed a million times. And so I just think it would have been more interesting if they had if they had gone down the insidious route of like that boy ain't right from the <laughs> beginning. Like, let's look at what the things that we had to ignore and 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 breeze past to get to the point where you have a middle school child who's ready to take the world over. Yeah. I think with with me like you could have done that if you had an extra if you just spent an extra 20 minutes. This is a pretty short movie. It's only like an hour and a half. Yeah, I long. respect that part of it. If they if they hadn't tried to insert that stuff Taken like an extra twenty minutes, it probably would have made it a better movie. It probably would have made it like an eight or nine for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I think it was. I thought it was really effective storytelling the yeah. way they did it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that feel the same way you do, and then and then I'm sure there's a lot of people that feel the the way I do. So, yeah, there are a lot of nerds out there. God damn it! Um, fucking fucking nerds. Um. You you told me to write down small bed in the theater. Okay. So here's the thing. If you're the size of Roy, which <laughs> Roy is not a small man. He is a hulking mass of a man, especially at this movie. Like, you remember how big he was in the office? Add 75 pounds. Roy has gotten large. And uh, and they're sharing... It. Lo- I mean, it must be a queen because Roy is massive. <laughs> And she's like, you know, she's a pretty small, small lady. But here's the thing, people. Just this is a PSA for anyone. Just generally, get a king size bed. I know. I know it doesn't seem like you need it. But once you get it, you go, what the fuck was I doing? What was I doing being inches away from this other heap of flesh? Like, I need feet. And and it provides, like, you know, the ripples of movement. Like, it provides so much more in the way of comfort and, like, good sleep for you. You know, maybe this movie would have gone a different way had they had a king-size bed. <laughs> They're like, I feel rested. I feel like that boy ain't right. I'm able. I have a clear mind. I know what's going on. I'm not in a constant haze from being always tired from you kicking me at night because I have a solid two feet between you and me where you get to just freak out over there on your side of the bed all night and I get to have a nice rest. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, it makes a huge difference. Get a king-size bed. Anybody listen to the sound of my voice, get it. It makes a big difference. Um, 
the end of the film, pretty much the only one surviving is is his mom, and Brandon goes after her, um, basically by flying through and making the house Swiss cheese. That was a pretty. That was the culmination of this movie, and that was a pretty pretty cool part. Yeah. Where it's just like, I mean, he's basically playing cat and mouse with her because he could have just gone in there and just ripped her, ripped her apart. Yeah. But he did. He chose the the cool way, the the middle school kid way. Right. So, uh, mom calls the police. The police show up, and, <laughs> and the 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 male police officer is like, "It's gonna be okay." <laughs> turns, in, turns into blood mist. Yeah, just just completely mangled by by Brandon. And then the other cop calls in <laughs> code two one seven. Which I had a question: What is code two one seven? Is it is that the code for a superhero that's on the loose and destroying a house? Yeah, yeah. You know, they have so many of those codes. Yeah. What, what is a you know? So that band three eleven. They named themselves three eleven after the police code for. Uh, like a naked man in public. Oh, all right. They have a, that's pretty specific. Yeah. You know, I mean, two, <laughs> two, one, seven, who knows? It's pro- yeah. I mean, if it's three eleven, just imagine what the other 310 codes are for. Right. You know, and I mean, takes that to get to naked man on the street. It seems weird that two, one, se- that's a pretty early number for <laughs> super boy flying through a house and mangling police officers, right. but. Right. Um, Seems like right. that'd be up in the thousands. And then he eventually, he he decides to kill his mom after she gets the shard and tries to stab him. But he, like, puts a stop to that pretty quickly. He's yeah, like, that's, no. That's the ultimate betrayal. That's the part where he, where the, she seals Earth's fate, essentially. Yeah. His so she, mother betrays him by trying to kill him. Right. And then... And he takes her, flies her up into the stratosphere, and then just drops her. That's crazy. It it sounds very simple, but that scene was like really horrifying. Just like I don't know. I think I think it is just the relationship between you a know mother and a son, son and a mother, and just being like just letting her go. He fucking betrayed me. And watching her fall to the ground. Yeah. Because any at any point during that fall, like, he just watches her. He sits there up in the stratosphere, and he watches his mom fall to the ground. And at any point during that fall, he could have gone down and saved her. But, uh, yeah, she just does a full Peggy Hill and <laughs> slams into that that middle American soil. It's a Peggy Hill? Yeah, Peggy Hill was injured that in, in, season, in season three. Peggy Hill... Went skydiving and her parachute and her backup parachute didn't open and she just. <laughs> did she die? Just no, because it was. <laughs> did you not hear me? Season three. No, she. The people hit the ground and land in like mud and shit all mm. the time, which is what she did. And then they're like miraculously not dead and pretty okay. Like, have, like break every bone in their body, but like they're not disintegrated. Uh-huh. So that's impressive. But, uh, but yeah, Peggy Hill took a whole season to recover, if I recall. Huh. Or, no, no, that was a cliffhanger, like the ending of a season. It was like, oh, well, Peggy's dead. <laughs> and then the next season, she's, she's like laid up in a bit. My brother, uh, would be able to tell you better. Okay. Yeah. See, I didn't, ever, I never watched King of the Hill. Whoa. It's on, uh, it's on Hulu for anybody who wants to watch it. 
Um, so anyways, the moral to the story for Brightburn is wasps, wasps are assholes. Point. <laughs> That's the moral of the That's story. That's the moral to the story. Well, they are assholes. No one's going to argue with you on that. So who would like this? I'm going to say, like, if you like, if you like gory horror, like, y- there will be moments in here that you like. Yeah, for um, sure. And I think if you are tired of superhero movies and tired of, like, even just breaking the fourth wall superhero movies, like, this is a good breather of just, like, all right, let's let's take an alternate viewpoint to the same origin story that we've seen a billion times before. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. That being said, if you're a big Superman fan or a big comics fan, I don't, I don't know. This could go either way for you. Um, it really, it just wasn't interesting to me. It just didn't. See, I'm so surprised that like you're so down on this movie. I'm not down on it. It just disappointed me that I, I was hoping it, that being said, it, I didn't expect it to be interesting. I kind of knew what this was going to be. Because I, mm-hmm. you know, so it just, it just didn't do anything that was interesting. It was just kind of, bleh. Yeah. yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, it was very, very plain. And like, this is what, it's bad Superman. That's right. what we're doing. Right. And not, we're not going to explore it any further than that. Now, that being said, this has potential. I th- I do believe that this movie has huge sequel potential. I think that's what they're banking on with this movie. I think that. The following movie could have a lot of, you know, a, a, a lot of, what do you call it, when you go back in time and, you know, uh, and look at look at stuff that happened in your childhood flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So I could have some really, the potential for really interesting flashbacks, the potential for like a continuation of like Brightburn against the world kind of thing. I think this movie could turn into a series. Right. And that'd be pretty neat. Um, so, yeah, I I recommend it. I think you should see it in the theater. It'll be a good experience. It's it's one of those that, like, if you can see it while it's still new and there's other people in the theater, I think the reactions do add something to it. Yeah, that's definitely true. <clears throat> so, anyways, that's that. Let's do taglines. So taglines is a game where we write alternate taglines for the movie we're reviewing. Um, range from uh, serious good ones to funny bad ones. I don't know. Yeah, taglines. Tag Perennial lines. favorite. Perennial favorite. <laughs> All right, Brightburn. He's just going through a phase where he's really curious about women's bodies, especially their entrails. <laughs> Brightburn. Imagine how raw you could beat your dick if you were Superboy. <laughs> All right, that's a good one. I like that. Like, like think about like super speed and everything. If you, if you couldn't hurt yourself. Yeah, I mean, even even that, like, even not having to deal with chafing, 
How great would that be? You could light lotion on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Just like fucking glycerin now, bitch. (laughs) Oh, man. Can you imagine, like, like if you couldn't be hurt, you could light your dick on fire. You'd be like, cool, look at that. That'd be great You guys ever seen this? Woo, helicopter it. Dude, you you could use your laser vision and then your cold breath. Oh. You could do, like, the whole... Hot and cold sensation. Yeah. Get a little bit of that Trojan ends going on. Mm. <laughs> All right. Boy, you, you see how quickly track. we can revert into like middle school? Like, oh man, it's incredible. Okay. Brightburn. It's Jossum. Jossum. <laughs> I don't know. That's from uh, the Street Sharks. Street Sharks. <laughs> street Sharks. Brightburn. There's always a possibility of rape. <laughs> You want to go into the story behind that? Oh, that's my... Yeah, me and my friends, like... I can't remember the origin of the phrase, but that's like a a phrase that we would use a lot among each other of... We'd just say, like, there's always a threat of rape. And, yeah. And really, it's the truest saying that, that you can say among friends, which is, you know... At any, at any point in your life, there's always a threat of rape. There could be. There's... It could happen. <clears throat> and I think that's what really separates men from women is women really understand that. Right. A lot more than men. But men should understand oh, that. Oh, men should definitely understand yeah. that. They're in constant danger. Potential danger. Right. Brightburn. The darkest and grittiest Superman since Man of Steel. <laughs> Burn. Brightburn. Like the killing of a sacred deer, but with less mom spaghetti. <laughs> it is it is remarkably like the killing of a sacred deer to me. Uh it just the just kind of the bones of it this mm-hmm. this boy being just the like tension of like being like well you're all fucked now. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. I I hold all the cards here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I expended my taglines. We, I did too. We got to release the, we've had the killing of a sacred deer since this winter. It is, (laughs) it is almost the summer. I really like that episode. We got to release it, uh, sometime this summer (laughs) because I really like that movie. If you guys haven't seen the killing of a sacred deer, check it out. It's pretty good. In my opinion, Bryce is Bryce. Not so much. Yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of it. I liked lobster better. I could barely watch Lobster. It was very hard to get through. Lobster was more interesting. It was just as dry. And like, I don't know. Either one of them are pretty. They're so dry that it's hard for me to get into it. Lobster was like Wes Anderson. Yeah. It was like, it was like, it was like him trying to go Wes Anderson with it, which don't. But there was, there was more complicated stuff in it. Like the more, there was more satire of like. Uh, you're being you're in this situation where you're gonna turn into a fucking lobster if you don't just settle yeah if you don't settle and just say i'm going to marry this person and mate with them like and the reaction that any sane person would have is like all right well you know we got to do what we got to do like let's uh come to a compromise and you know but then he's just like "Mm." Maybe the I lobster, though. Yeah, like maybe maybe I'd be better as a lobster than 
dating someone that's not for, as attractive as I want. For me? Yeah, we're talking about um, movies by the director Yorgos Lanthimos, who also did The the Favorite, mm-hmm. which was up for a lot of awards this uh, this year. And uh, one of the one of my favorite directors, uh, r- recent directors. So yeah. ch- check out his stuff. Pretty good stuff. The, the favorite. Dog, is the good. other the other one is Dogtooth. That's also a really good one. I didn't see that, but uh, the favorite is one of my is one of the best movies I've seen in in the past year. Yeah. So, anyways, okay, new game. This is superhero or supervillain. It's a very basic game. I see. Premise is very simple. Uh, well, first, let's have our uh, intro theme. I see you have brought your slide whistle. Wow, you did that good. You read card so, good. So um, that is a original composition. It's not copyrighted. Do, 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 um, do, 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 do. No, that's all right. That's enough that we can sing of that particular. Oh, that different. I changed one. it enough. It's like the. The Ice Ice Baby is, is just different enough. Done, 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 done. <laughs> right. Anyways, uh, so I'm going to read a um, an action done by a superhero or supervillain, and you have to tell me whether it's a superhero or supervillain and who it is, if you know. Oh, that's cool. <clears throat> All right. Um... This could make me look quite foolish. I'm getting the fuck out! Okay, yeah. Applause if you get it right, and then... If you get it wrong. Okay. Okay. All right, he developed a formula to save Spider-Man's Aunt May from poisoning. From from a poison? Yeah, Aunt May was poisoned, and so he developed an antidote. Um, I, I want to say that was... Uh, either Doc Ock or Norman Osborn. But a supervillain. But a supervillain. I'm going to say supervillain, and I'm going to say... Oh, man. It seems... All right. Well, it was a supervillain, but it was Kurt Connors, the lizard. Oh, oh! Well, see, I, that's why I was going to lean yeah. heavily on Osborn. Yeah. Um, okay. A, okay. He punches the barrier of reality, destroying the barrier that separates alternate dimensions. He punches the barrier of reality, destroying <laughs> the barrier between the two dimensions. Uh-huh. Hmm. It creates a alternate dimension crisis of sorts. That's, if that's what I'm thinking it is, that's super recent. Like, so recent, you wouldn't... Hmm. I don't know. I use Google. Um, It's not like I knew these storylines. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, the barrier. Why did the barrier... I'm trying... See, I have this... I have this current storyline in my head, and I'm trying to think of how it started. Um, Bunch... I mean, I guess... I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm going to say Superman, so superhero. It was Superboy Prime. Oh. So really, really close. All right. Uh, He created a city as well as a race of supermen known as the Children of Tomorrow who went to conquer 
not only Asgard, but the, also the rest of the world. And then he ruled over Earth, presuming that he could make it a better place. This is definitely 100% Loki. So that's a super villain, and that's Loki. Oh, what? That was Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. Oh, oh, no. That's okay. All right. Wow. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, Reed Richards is, is, has been evil, has an evil counterpart, uh, for a long time and is like, uh, like a not, yeah, he's, he's ne- pretty nefarious. <laughs> All right. Um, discovered a group of 16 children orphaned during an earthquake and began to care for and protect the children from gangs in the gangs roaming in the city. So there's a part in Planet Hulk that's similar to this, but it's not this. Roaming the city? Uh-huh. Okay, can you give that to me one more time? All right, so this person discovered a group of 16 children orphaned during an earthquake and began to care for and protect them from roaming gangs. During an earthquake. Um... This could also be like an a mutants thing. Feels marvelly to me. I'm I'm I, I really don't know, so I'm just going to take a stab and say this is a villain. I don't know who though. It is Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy. Yeah. Okay. It's not Marvel. I was wrong on that. All right. Killed Robin with a crowbar. <laughs> That's Batman. That's a superhero. (laughs) Unfortunately, it was a supervillain that killed Robin with a crowbar, and it was the Joker. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, okay. Well, that's embarrassing. Um, Mind wipes Batman. Wipes Batman's mind. Um, Oh, mind wipes Batman. I was thinking Superman. Mind wipes Batman. Who could have done that? Oh man, this is this is a cool game because <laughs> it really it's fun for me. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's. Have you been keeping track of what I've been getting right and wrong? I, you've gotten all of them but one right. I think. I think I got two wrong. You might have gotten two wrong. Yeah. Okay. So mind wipes Batman. Let me think. Who are the potential people who could do that? Um. But let's just superhero or villain. Okay, let's keep it, uh, let's keep it short. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say hero. You're right. It's heroes. It's the Justice League. Yeah, that's one of those things that's that's done. It's so frequently hero on hero violence. You know. Yeah. It's it's mostly them. It's mostly a big soap opera. Um. All right. All right. Well, last one. Okay. Um. Commits an, commits an act of genocide as well as destroying almost all of the X-Men. Um, oh, okay. So this is Genosha or Genosha, but I, I don't think, I don't think it was Magneto, but oh, it was a Scarlet Witch. 
So, Hero. Hero? I mean, that's what I'm going to say. I thought Scarlet Witch was evil. No, she's good. Well, it wasn't. It was Jean Grey, also a hero. Though. Damn it! Ah! Damn it! That's right! Ah! I, <laughs> I, oh, man, I got my th- I got my things mixed up. Jean Grey is Phoenix. That's which right. Which is a... Dark Phoenix. Movie coming out right yeah. now. Uh, should be coming out soon, isn't it? The next X-Men one? I don't know. Sophie Turner as uh, Jean Grey. Who's Sophie Turner? She's Sansa Stark on Game of Thrones, which you don't watch. Oh, okay. Man. Yeah. Um, all right. There's a couple more, but they're, it's getting boring. So that was superhero or supervillain in honor of Brightburn. Now, last thing. It came from social media. Just kidding. Yes, it came from social media. To fill the world with terror. To bring you unforgettable suspense. <laughs> what was it? Where did it come from? Who were the all-powerful creatures it brought from social media? And what did they want on Earth? All right. Just uh, just wanted to show our appreciation for our fans that reached out to us on social media. On Facebook, Peter H. reached out to us and said, Hey, guys, Peter from the UK here started the podcast a couple weeks ago, just about caught up on your current episodes and loving them. Um, and had a couple suggestions. He says, I know you're probably, you probably have a number of requests already, but I noticed you haven't done any Asian horror reviews. <clears throat> That might be down to your personal taste, but I find them pretty good for some creeps. He recommends Stutter uh, from 2004 being one of his faves. And this was right before... Shutter. Shutter. Shutter, sorry. Yeah. Not Stutter. Um, this is right before we released Tetsuo, so I hopefully hopefully that appeased Peter a little bit. Yeah, uh, so now we do have one uh, J-horror out. That's Tetsuo. Also, um, the Iron Man. Sh- Shutter is available for free on either Prime or Netflix right now. I can't remember which. Probably Prime. Yeah, I can't recall. But if you want to sign up for, oh, Stutter, Shutter, Shutter. Sh- I t- the movie is is called. Sh- I thought you were talking about the streaming service Shudder. No, the movie is called Shutter, like Shutter Island. S H U T T E R. Not okay with these. Um, <clears throat> Peter also appreciated, uh, David's love of music. They had common tastes. <laughs> a man of fine discernment. Of, uh, deathcore death metal. Every time David shares with me a song that he thinks is just really awesome, it just sounds like someone's recording a machine gun inside of a dumpster being thrown down a flight of stairs. <laughs> it's really rough liking this music because because one of these phrases that people throw about frequently is, "Oh, I enjoy all kinds of music." And you're like, "Oh, cool." Me I mean, I like I like all music too. I like country, I like rap, I, I, and I do. I like I uh-huh, like right. I like classical. I really do. I also love death metal and doom and all these different kinds of metal, and I'll play it for them and they'll be like, "What the fuck is this?" This makes me want to kill myself and be like, well, yeah, I mean, that's the point. <laughs> and he also suggests uh, to me in particular that I watch Human Centipede 2. He said, I met, he, uh, he said, you've mentioned several times that uh, the first one is one of your face, but you haven't seen the second. Um, he had lots of good things to say about number two if you don't take it too seriously. Um, 
They should have named it Human Centipede Number Two. Yeah, like po- yeah. like poop. Number two. You're right. Poop poop in your mouth. Dana C. She's reached out several times. Um, She uh, had some more suggestions for films for us to cover. Grace, The Invitation, Thelma, and Goodnight Mommy. I know that The Invitation is one of David's favorites. The Invitation is a masterpiece of a movie. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to review that one. We've both seen it. I think it's a Netflix. Yeah, it's It's on on Netflix. Netflix, Yes, I think. Um, and also the biggest moment, I didn't even write this down, but I just remembered it. Um, if you didn't know, we reviewed Kuso a couple of weeks, a couple ago. of weeks ago. And when we tweeted out our episode mm-hmm. of Kuso, mm-hmm. do you know who, uh, replied to our tweet with a joy emoji? Um, I have a few guesses. Who was it? Um, it was Flying Lotus himself. Flylo, the director of the movie and the uh, EDM producer, producer artist. Yeah. So Flylo at least knows that we exist because he left an emoji on our thing. He he might have even liked it, but there out of the likes for that post, there was one that was hidden. Mm. And so uh, that's him. And you know what it did for. For that episode and our social media after the after you know the, put that emoticon the on there, boost that it gave us absolutely nothing, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> but you would think someone with half a million followers, if they replied to you, would do something for you. It, it really didn't. Flying Lotus, if you're listening, you're coming to Portland in August. We would be, I like, I don't know if you listened to the, to the review or if you just like saw that we reviewed it, but I loved Kuso. I couldn't in good conscience give it higher than a seven because it was a little disjointed, but I gotta say, you and I have very similar taste and what Bryce did to you was wrong and we want to offer you to come on the show to make it right. Right. So if, if Lilo, if you're listening or one of his people, you know, yeah. Or if you know a Flying Lotus and you can get a message to him, just let him know. Like, in August when you're here in Portland, come on the show. You can talk about, we can do another special interview episode about Kuso again. We'll also accept, like, Hannibal or any one of those fart chickens that were on the movie. <laughs> like, we'll talk to anybody. But if, but and, and our fans, please reach out to Flying Lotus and ask him to come on Horror Movie Talk. <laughs> Hit him up on Twitter. And just be like, oh, man, I just really would – because he's coming in August and this could happen. So let's get on that. Hey, by the way, thank you very much, Peter H. and, and Dana, for reaching out to us. We we really, really like it to to be able to have a discussion with our fans and, and it's just a lot of fun. So thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, it's really validating. And, you know, if you reach out to us on Facebook um, – send us a message or Twitter. you realize like uh how how much time we have to uh <laughs> reply to you because we will talk to you we'll talk to you ad nauseum yeah <laughs> so anyways uh there you have it you've wasted another hour over an hour listening to two schlubs talk about horror movies mm. so your only comfort now is knowing that eventually you will die and this will all this is all meaningless. Mm, that uh, is comforting. In the meantime, thanks for listening to Horror Movie Talk. If you liked it, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We're trying to get up to... What, what's the number for Rotten Tomatoes? 200. 200. Uh, almost there. We've got 19. Or t- maybe 20. Yeah. 
So if you know of anyone else that likes horror movies, send them our way too. Uh, don't forget, if you want to sign up for Shudder, or if you're thinking about it, use code HMT at checkout to get 30 days for free. Um, to support the show, go to our website at horrormovietalk.com, click through on the the header there's two buttons one for amazon associates if you're going to do any shopping on amazon we'll get a little taste of that and then of course directly you can support the show by becoming a patron on patreon patreon.com slash horror movie talk and we'll you know we'd love any kind of support but if you um pledge five dollars a month you get to be one of our hold on wait for it Wait for it. You become a horror movie talk founding member. Member, member. So, yeah, thanks again to Jessica C. for becoming our newest horror movie, sorry, newest horror movie talk founding member Member. on Patreon. (laughs) And uh, until next week, we'll see. What what are we doing next week? There's no. Oh, Ma. 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 Hey, Ma. (laughs) Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Uh, okay. And if you're a patron, um, uh, check out our exclusive content that's coming up that we're going to record just right after the show. Yeah, so. we're getting on it. We're going to be recording stuff for our patrons only that's available on Patreon. So now there's a, now you can support the show and get access to exclusive horror movie talk content. All right. Thanks again. And bye. Bye. We love you. Bye.